0: Good morning to you all and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you again for allowing Sharon and I to be away last week and once again thank you Pastor Steve for sharing with the church from the Word of God. Two weeks ago we finished our walk through the book of James and I'd been praying about what direction to take in in preaching moving forward. And my attention, and I would really say my heart, was drawn to the seven I Am statements of Jesus that are found in the book of John. So for the next five Sundays, we're going to look at the first five statements, then we'll take a two-week break for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and then after Easter, we'll finish with the last two I Am statements of Jesus. As an introduction here for those who may not be familiar with what I'm referring to here with these I Am statements, In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven different statements where he uses the phrase, I am, and then he tells his disciples, or the crowd, who he is. Those statements are, I am the bread of life, from John 6.35. I am the light of the world, from John 8.12. I am the gate for the sheep, in John 10.7. I am the good shepherd, in John 10.11. I am the resurrection and the life, in John 11, 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life, in John 14, 6. And I am the true vine, from John 15, 1. Now, toward the end of John's Gospel, John tells his readers why he wrote everything that he wrote. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John wrote these words. He said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, he said, the things that he's written, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John recorded what he did so that people would read about Jesus and believe in Him for the forgiveness of their sins and for their salvation. Now when John said that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that's what Jesus was actually saying Himself in those seven I Am statements. The name I Am was the name that God called Himself when He revealed Himself to Moses at the burning bush in the book of Exodus. In that passage, Moses Ask the Lord. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what is his name? Moses said, what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, and he said, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God was telling Moses... I am the eternal, unchanging, self-existent God, infinite and glorious in every way, and above and beyond all created things. I am God. And Moses understood that. And the people of Israel came to understand as well that when they heard that name, I am, it referred to God and to God alone. That's why these seven I Am statements of Jesus are so important. In making these statements, Jesus was equating himself with God. And he was also telling the people something about the nature of God and why God had sent him to the earth. Again, the first of these statements is found in John chapter 6, where Jesus tells the people, I am the bread of life. Why don't we turn there together this morning? Please take your Bibles... And turn with me to John chapter 6. And please stand with me as you're able for the reading from God's word. Now this is actually a really long passage. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole thing, but I'm going to begin in verse 25 and just read through verse 35. Beginning at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they asked Him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign will, then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread. From heaven, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Oh Lord, as we look at this, at this word of yours, and Jesus, how you... Uh, taught the people and described yourself to the people. Open your word to us. Holy Spirit, guide our thoughts, guide my words as always. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable to you today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. To give ourselves a little context to this passage, If we look at at what's happened just before, we see that Jesus has just fed a very large crowd. The the passage says it was 5,000 men, but there were most likely women and children there too. So this was a a very large crowd of people. And Jesus had taken five small loaves of barley bread and two small fish, uh, the lunch of of a young man who would come, and Jesus gave thanks for it, broke it, and had his disciples distributed among the people. He gave it to his disciples, and they went around, and they served everybody as they sat down in groups. And we're told that everyone ate until they were full. And when the disciples went out to the crowd to gather all the leftovers, they came away with 12 baskets full of leftover food, all from the five small loaves of bread and the two fish. Now this was something that only God could do. And then when evening came, Jesus had gone up on the mountain by himself. And the disciples got in a boat and they headed across the lake. Now a storm was brewing on the lake and and Jesus then came toward his disciples walking on the water. Again, only something God could do. The disciples were afraid when they saw him, but when Jesus said to them, "'It is I, do not be afraid.' It says they took him into the boat, and it says immediately they were at the other shore. Again, this is another miracle in and of itself. Well, the next morning, the crowd of people that, that, that Jesus had fed the day before came looking for him on the other side, right? But they couldn't find him anywhere. And they knew that the night before there had only been... One boat there, and Jesus' disciples had gotten into it to cross the lake, but they never saw Jesus get into it. So they were wondering, where's Jesus? Where is he? So when other boats came, well, the people got into those boats, and they made their way across the lake looking for Jesus and his disciples. And when they found Jesus on the other side, they asked him, when did you get here? They didn't understand how he had gotten to the other side of the lake. And Jesus responded to them by saying, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, and not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. See, these people weren't interested in the deeper meaning of what Jesus had done the day before. He had done something that only God could do. He had shown them who he really was. But they were just interested in having their bellies filled again. And Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what was on their minds. They had been disappointed when Jesus wasn't still on the other side of the lake because they were hoping that maybe they could get a free breakfast as well. But as he always does, Jesus takes the conversation from the physical material level up to the spiritual level. And he tells them not to work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, Jesus had said something very similar to the Samaritan woman at the well back in in John chapter 4, if you remember that passage. He told her that he would give her living water, that the water he would give her would become in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life, and whoever drank that water would never thirst again. In the same manner, Jesus here is making the distinction between the food that the crowd sought after and the food that the Son of Man would give. Just as the water in the dialogue with that woman at the well would well up to eternal life, so the food the Son of Man would give, Jesus says, will endure to eternal life. And we're going to see as we go on here that just like that woman from Samaria, these people aren't understanding what Jesus is talking about. Jesus used the word work in his statement. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. So the people responded with what they felt was the same thought. And they asked, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And here we have this thought that has kind of plagued mankind through the ages, right? What do I have to do to please God? What works can I accomplish that will meet what God requires of me so that I am right with Him? I mean, really, this had been the thought and the practice of of the Jewish nation for some time now, right? Their faith revolved around what they could do for their God, what they could do to appease Him, that somehow by the way in which they lived their lives, by the way in which they followed the law, that they could be made right with God. But Jesus answers the people, and he says, he says, the work of God is this. Just believe in the one he has sent. I want you to notice that they asked what works they needed to do, plural. But Jesus answered, the work of God, singular. There's just one thing that God requires of you, Jesus said. Believe in the one whom he has sent. Okay. pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Just one thing, not a big long list of requirements, just simply believe. But the people, they wanted more than that, right? So they asked, well, what miraculous sign will you then give that we may see it and believe? What will you do, Jesus? I mean, come on, our forefathers ate manna in the desert. What are you going to do for us? It seems that they had already forgotten the miraculous thing that Jesus had done just the day before. Jesus had fed them all from a very small amount of food. And here they are looking for another sign. They're saying, Moses gave us manna for 40 years, Jesus. You've just fed us once. We want to see more. They're looking for a sign. But the fact is, Jesus had already performed many signs. In fact, the beginning of chapter 6 tells us that this same crowd of people had followed him before because they had seen the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. And Jesus had probably graciously healed some of these same people before filling their stomachs with food. See, but that wasn't enough for them. Moses did this for us. Jesus, what are you going to do? Jesus responds and he tells them, first of all, that it wasn't Moses who gave their forefathers the bread, but it was his father who had provided it. The same father who was now giving them the true bread from heaven. And Jesus told them that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And Jesus begins his statement with, I tell you the truth. This in the Greek is the twofold Amen, amen, truly, truly, I say to you. And Jesus had used this same phrase back in verse 26 as well. And actually, any time the Apostle John has Jesus saying this, I tell you the truth, it is this truly, truly, I say to you statement. And the fact that in the Greek, Jesus uses the word twice makes it more emphatic than if he had just said it once. So when he says this, amen, amen, truly, truly, The people should understand the importance of what he's going to say next. So when he starts out with this truly, truly, and then tells the people that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, well, the people then decide that they want this bread, right? They want this bread. So they tell Jesus, hey, from now on, give us this bread. I mean, the bread you gave us yesterday was good, but this new bread sounds even better. But they still aren't understanding what Jesus was talking about. They're still thinking along the lines of a daily supply of physical bread. And if this bread were better than the manna that Moses had provided, well then, by all means, Jesus, give us this bread and give it to us every day. Show us who you are. Give us this sign. They're not understanding, so Jesus clarifies it for them. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Now here he's talking about spiritual hunger and thirst, not physical. But the people, they still aren't understanding that. They're only thinking on the physical level just like that Samaritan woman at the well when Jesus told her about the living water. She told Jesus, Sir, give me this water so I don't have to come back here day after day in the heat of the afternoon all by myself to draw water. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty again. They're all thinking on the physical level, right? From now on, give us this bread. But Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level. And the people weren't getting what Jesus was saying they're still just thinking about physical bread. Now bread for the Israelites was something that they ate every day. It was a staple in their diet. And they ate other things as well. They ate fish and and meat and fruits and vegetables and, and honey and nuts. But with all of these things, they ate bread. Bread is mentioned 188 times in the Old Testament and 83 times in the New Testament. And out of those combined 271 times that bread is mentioned, 45 of those refer to the unleavened bread or the bread made without yeast that had to do with the Passover meal. All the other times that we see the word bread, except in Jesus' words here, all the other times it's referring to the bread that was eaten for basic everyday meals. The term bread was sometimes used to refer to to daily sustenance, right? Whatever the people needed for that day. In fact, Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day, what? Our daily bread. Was he just referring to bread in that prayer or was maybe there a deeper meaning there? I believe that Jesus was teaching them that the Lord would provide for them what they needed for each and every day. For that day, whether it was bread, Meat, milk, donuts. I threw that in just to make sure you're paying attention. The term bread was used and understood to mean their daily sustenance. So when Jesus tells the people that He is the bread of life, He's telling them that He is their sustenance. He is what they need to take in to make it through each day. Now this is a long passage and I didn't take the time to read the whole thing. But Jesus goes on to tell them that he has come down from heaven not to do his own will, but to do the will of the one who sent him. And he had just previously said that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He then tells them that he is the bread of life and that he has come down from heaven. He's telling them again who he is. He's equating himself with God in telling them that he has come down from heaven. And he goes on to tell them that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Now this reminds me of when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he used the wilderness experience of the Israelites. If you remember that time when when the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them. And when they were bitten by those snakes, they had to look up to that bronze snake that had been lifted up in the wilderness to be healed. And Jesus is telling these people, just as he told Nicodemus, that all who look to the Son and believe will be saved. So how did the crowd respond? Did they get it? Did they understand? No. Just like the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness with Moses, the people grumbled among themselves. Do we sometimes get caught up in that as well? When we don't understand or things aren't necessarily going our way, do we start to grumble too? Do you remember how James told us a few weeks ago that we shouldn't be grumbling among ourselves? Well, these Jews here are grumbling about the fact that Jesus said he has come down from heaven. Some of them apparently knew about Jesus' earthly family. So they asked, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? It didn't make sense to them. See, during this whole time with the crowd, the crowd had been trying to compare Jesus to Moses, right? Moses did this for us, Jesus. What are you going to do? So Jesus uses their comparison as he continues on, beginning in verse 49. He tells the people that their forefathers indeed did eat manna in the desert. Jesus says, but they died. But here he was offering them bread from heaven that they could eat and never die. The manna that was provided in the wilderness was not the true bread from heaven because all who ate of it eventually died. But Jesus told them, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then he says, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, hearing these words spoken, in the time in which it was spoken, to the crowd in which these words were spoken, if I had been in that crowd, I might have had the same response as the people there, not knowing what I know today. So they asked, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? This was a very hard word that Jesus had spoken here. And Jesus went on to tell them, I tell you the truth, again that twofold, um, truly, truly I say to you. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Just as the Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread, again referring to himself, he who feeds on this bread will live forever. So, what is the meaning of Jesus' words here? What is he truly saying? Jesus, being God, obviously can't teach something that would go against his own word. And in Leviticus chapter 17, verses 10 through 14, God explicitly states that anyone who eats any blood will be cut off from the people and God would set his face against them. So, if Jesus was literally saying, that the people needed to eat his flesh and drink his blood, he would have been going against his own holy word. So what is Jesus saying here? I believe the real meaning of this passage is found in verse 51, where Jesus says, this bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. He couldn't have been speaking literally about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So the real meaning has to be found in the fact that He would be giving His own life up. Offering up His own body, His own flesh as the sacrifice for all mankind. Shedding His own blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And that by accepting this sacrifice and receiving the grace of God, accepting this sacrifice as the substitute for our own, we are identifying with Him in His suffering and death on the cross because He did offer up his body for us. He did shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. See, this is the meaning of what Jesus is saying here. The point of this passage is that Jesus is our sustenance. He is what we need to take into ourselves each and every day for our spiritual nourishment. He is the bread of life, and those who come to him will no longer hunger and thirst. He fills that hunger and thirst that each of us has for God. That hunger and thirst for something more than this world can offer us. Apart from Him, nothing else will give us lasting satisfaction. Everything else in our lives will leave us hungering and thirsting for more. I'm reminded of the words we read together from our scripture reading this morning, where we received the invitation to come to the Lord, for the things that we need. Isaiah wrote, Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. The invitation in Isaiah was for those who were thirsty and hungry for the things of God. To come to Him while He may be found. To turn to the Lord for what is needed and He will have mercy on them. He will freely pardon them. Isaiah, even back then, was telling us that our daily sustenance comes from the Lord. This is what Jesus was saying when He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. So I ask all of us, myself included, is Jesus as real to us as the bread that we eat every day? Is He as real to us spiritually as anything that, that we can taste or, or touch? For someone living in Jesus' day, bread was indispensable. It would have been difficult for someone of Jesus' day to conceive of living without bread. It was a symbol of life for them. It was a staple of their diet. We claim as Christians to have the bread of life living within us. Is Christ as indispensable to us as bread was to people back then? We eat bread every day. I probably shouldn't say that anymore with all the gluten-free. and pe- Some people probably don't eat bread every day, but a lot of people eat bread every day. In fact, most of us will average 21 meals a week, along with some snacking in between, right? In that same seven days that we eat 21 meals, how often do we partake of the true bread of life? Jesus gave of himself for us once for all, for the forgiveness of all of our sins. But he wants to continually give himself to us each and every day. Through his word, through time and prayer, through fellowshipping together. But it's up to us to make time with him a regular part of our diet. And if Jesus is not now or never has been a regular part of your diet, why is that? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking for the first time, I want this bread of life, but I don't know how to get it any more than the people of Jesus' day did. You're hoping that, that maybe some good work you're doing will give you the satisfaction that you need. That, that it will fill that hunger and thirst you have inside of you for something more. What did Jesus say to the people about that? He said, the work of God is this. Just believe In the one he has sent. Believe that the body that was broken for you and the blood that was shed for you on the cross, the bread of life that was given for your daily sustenance, believe that that is enough. That's all it takes. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Are we taking him in each and every day? That's the question we all need to be asking ourselves this morning. Please pray with me. Oh, Lord, some of these I am statements of yours are are hard teachings. They were hard for the people to understand back then, and they're still hard for us sometimes today. But I thank you that you are the true bread that came down from heaven and that you want us to take you in each and every day for our spiritual sustenance. We need you. I need you. Oh, Lord, help us, help me to take you in each and every day, to rely on you for the things that we need, to trust you, Lord, as we move forward. And just to understand that the work of God is for us to believe in the one whom he has sent, and that is you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for the freedom, the redemption we have through faith in you. Let us take you in each and every day. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.